Hi, friend. It's Brittany Moses and Ranella Kalagithi, and you're listening to Speaking Our Minds, the podcast that brings you honest and nuanced conversations around mental health, holistic wellness, and the real complexities of what it means to be human in the challenges of today's world, where we have fun, fascinating, and meaningful discussions around how to live a more insightful, connected, and whole life from the inside out. Joined by guest professionals, thought leaders, and some of my friends and those with lived experience. As always, we ask that you keep in mind that the views and opinions shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from your clinician or provider and is ours to discern. We're so glad you're here. Follow the conversation on Instagram at Speaking Our Minds Pod and sit with us because we're diving in. This podcast episode is brought to you by WeShare by UHSM, a unique healthcare membership on a mission to create holistic wellness for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm honored to partner with UHSM and its community of faithful members. Together, we plan to create more awareness and programs around mental health and the role it plays in our overall balanced health. If you or someone you know is frustrated with their current health care, I encourage you to inquire about membership options at www.weshare.org or call 1-800-900-8476. Welcome back to another episode of Speaking Our Minds with Renella and Brittany. And we're shifting into a whole new season. We just wrapped up our theme of how to be better and more loving humans in a polarized world, Mm. which was really great. Um, So definitely check those out over the past month. Yeah. And now we're shifting into a cozy season. Oh my gosh, it is November. We are getting into the cooler. I mean, just let's be real for Californians. I know. They don't have real seasons. Um, Our seasons are a construct. Yeah. But still, you know, it's getting cooler. Yeah. Hitting 60s in the evening. So that's sweater weather. Sweater weather. And it's a new season. Do you prefer the seasonal changes in California or the seasonal changes like everywhere else? Oh, I feel like I'd love to visit other places and get like that feel of like the Hallmark movie, like Mm -hmm. I'm in a season and the leaves are falling and changing and the weather's changing. Like, yes, but I'm also born and raised in California, so I'm a California girl at heart. So like, yeah, we go to the beach in December. Yeah. (laughs) I I just, I can't give that I know. It is really nice. I think for me, it's more helpful to my mental health to have a lot of sun. But I will say that like visiting Maryland and New York and other places, I was so amazed at just how quickly the seasons change every three to four months. So that is just definitely something that we don't experience. But I don't know. I could go both ways, to be honest. You know, speaking of seasons changing, you know, as we're dipping into fall, as we're in fall, Mm -hmm. I know that's something that we wanted to talk about is how things change in our own lives, like how seasons change in our own lives, but more specifically, what happens when those when you're kind of thrown into a season yeah. of life that you didn't expect, when things have changed unexpectedly, or even if you're in a season that you didn't imagine yourself in because you thought you would be in a different place by now, or mm. you thought you would be further along by now. I think it's so fitting during this time to be talking about kind of 
these changes that we see and experience in our own lives that can have a real effect on our esteem and yeah. on our mental health and kind of how to stay grounded and navigate through these major unexpected life changes that yeah. can happen. You know, whether it's a breakup or a divorce, whether you just lost your job, whether, um, you know, you've kind of weren't able to continue with school. So you've dropped out of college or like I said, even you've just been stuck. You feel like you've been stuck in the same mm. place and you thought that things would have changed for you by right. now. Um, I know those are things that we all experience. That's part of the human experience. Yeah. And so how do we get get through them? Oh, I'm, I'm so excited about this podcast specifically yeah. because there is something so palpable and tangible about yeah. the shift into fall. Um, the summer is so high energy and, you yes. know, we're just like, you know, running around, going to the beach, going, traveling around the world. There's just so much going on. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like moving into the fall is a time for reflection. And like settling down. Things just kind of slow down. down. We I stay agree. indoors. Yeah. And, um, and, and I think the topic of changing seasons is super important. So if you are someone who is going through unexpected change mm-hmm. um, that maybe has rearranged your life, uh, you don't know exactly where you're going and you need that clarity and guidance, this episode is really going to be for you. So I have a light existential question to ask you. <laughs> okay. Oh no. <laughs> Do you ever feel like life is slipping away from you and it's out of your control. Mm, I I definitely did. Yeah. Um, not so much recently, but there was a long season of my life yeah. where absolutely it was like everywhere I turned, like nothing felt like it was in my control. Absolutely. And it's yeah. kind of the worst feeling. Yeah, no, I've definitely been there. And I know we're going to talk more about some of the unexpected changes that we've been through where I felt like my life just completely unraveled and spiraled out of my control. And it forced me to make big changes, changes where I felt like I was taking steps back in order to take steps forward that made me feel like I was failing in some ways Mm -hmm. or insecure. And it's just like, what I remember of those seasons is that when everything is changing around you and your reality kind of feels so unstable or like it's slipping away, you're kind of forced inward. Yes. You know, you're kind of forced inward to, okay, what, how do I ground myself through these changes? How do I continue to see my own identity clearly through these changes? How do I continue to take steps forward that are purposeful, mm-hmm. you know, even though I, I I can't see what the outcome of life is going to be or look like now that this shift has taken place. Yeah. And, and just to kind of jump right into it, yeah. can you share with us a little bit about some of the types of changes mm-hmm. that you have gone through? Um, and I, I think it'd be really interesting for both of us to share that, you know, we've yeah. both gone through a lot of changes in life. Yeah. That are probably going to be relatable to what those of you who are listening have been through just to know that you're not alone. So I think the, one of the first major changes that took place in my life was getting pregnant at 17 years old and having my son at 18. Wow. Talk about an unexpected change wow. and the entire trajectory of your life shifting. And I mean, of course, like everyone, I thought I wasn't going to be that girl that got pregnant young, but I was also going through a lot of life circumstances Mm -hmm. that we can go talk about for another day that kind of, um, kind of put me in a position 
where I was um, very vulnerable. I was also young. I had a lot of risky behaviors when I was younger. I was very Mm. free spirited, Mm. um, which can be pros and cons of my personality. (laughs) Um, But yeah. And so I I had my son at 18 and being faced also with that choice of like, what was I going to do? Um, at that time, I didn't see You were how, just a oh, kid. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I wasn't even very responsible with myself at mm. the time. And I didn't see, like having a child did not seem like a possibility. Like yeah. it felt like an impossibility for me. I didn't understand how that was going to work out. Thankfully, I did have um, family that yeah. was very supportive and living with my mom and she was very supportive. And so- I just um, want to like pause for a moment because- <laughs> Um, getting pregnant at 17, having a kid at 18, Mm. especially in the world we live in, you were part of probably a faith community too, in some way, shape or form. And just like, what was that like psychologically, mentally, emotionally for you going through that at that time? I'm just so curious. Like, were you able to say like, Hey, you know what? This is how it is. This is my life. I I'm owning this. Or Mm -hmm. was it like, because I know there can be so much stigma. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny. I actually did a whole TikTok on this, on my experience of being wow. pregnant at 17 and sharing it with my parents and everything that took place. So mm-hmm. feel free to check that out. But um, it's interesting because... So I wasn't a part of a faith community okay. at the time. It was actually having my child that led me to start going back to church. Mm. Um, but... Um, first, only my parents knew. I was very afraid to tell my family because oh my no one else had had a kid out of wedlock in my family. Wow. Everyone had kind of done things in order. Wow. You know, so <laughs> yeah. kind of felt a little bit like a black sheep there. No, yeah. Um, I actually was a very tiny pregnant mm-hmm. person. So yeah, I was, you're still I had a like, tiny a, I'm a tiny person. Mm-hmm. So I just had a small bump yeah. enough to where I literally was able to hide like all six months of the pregnancy. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would wear like sweatshirts whenever I went over my grandparents' house and stuff. So I wow. kind of hid a lot of it mm-hmm. um, besides my parents knowing, my brother knowing, um, and obviously his dad, Austin's dad knowing um, until I was ready to share it. And when I did share it, um, I was actually met with a lot of love and a lot of grace That's and a awesome. lot of support, so um, which made me feel more comfortable and confident. Of course. And I think everybody was more like, okay, let's just make sure you have everything you need. You know, you're going to your checkups and this yeah. happens safely for both of you. Oh, and now so we can't, special. now we can't imagine our lives without oh, Austin. Of course. Now, now I literally, that's the thing. Now I yes. literally can't imagine my life any other way. So, yeah. you know, psychologically, I did feel a little shame at first. Um, but then as my family came around to support me through it and love me through it, then that kind of made me feel more secure. That and makes me so happy. Me too. And and I know that's not everybody's right. circumstance. So I feel really grateful and really blessed. And um, women are so vulnerable oh when they're gosh. pregnant. And yeah. I feel like there are so many times when women are pregnant, whether it's out of wedlock or whatever the circumstances are. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, if someone is going to have a baby, yeah. like they need to feel that support so no much. matter what you need the like circumstances 10 times the support are. yeah exactly. and i think psychologically it was just a matter of i don't 
I don't know how to explain this. And maybe those who, you know, have either been pregnant young or just have had a kid that you didn't expect um, can say, you just go into a mode where just like, I just have to do what I have to do. Like I didn't really overthink too much about it. It was just Mm -hmm. like, okay, I got to make sure, you know, things are prepared for when he comes, you know, I got to eat, take care of myself, make sure I do my visits. So then my mind just switched to just doing whatever I needed to do. And then he came. And then from there, you just do what you got to do, you know, yeah. as a mom. And so I don't I don't even know if I really had time to write or if I really had the time to process all of the change that was taking place because also a lot changed socially mm-hmm. because my life looked different than my friends' lives uh, because right. they were all young and going to college and partying and having fun. And I was now like in this really settled life. I felt very isolated. Mm. It felt very lonely. I had some postpartum depression. So like... Yeah, I definitely came to the end of myself during yeah. that. And that actually led me back to faith. Wow. Um, where I was like, I need community. I need right. something. I was like, I don't know what I need, but I need something. And I went to church for like Easter. And then I was like, oh, I need this. And then I kept yeah. going. Yeah, spiritual community is so important. Oh, yeah. So that was like my first big change. Um, other big changes I went through was my divorce in my yeah. early 20s. You know, um, I had the belief that I just needed to quote unquote make things right after I had my son out of wedlock mm. with his dad. So we quote unquote made things right. Right. You know, by getting married, which I think maybe there was some social pressure there. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. we also were like, you know, we want our kid to have both his parents yeah. in his life, you know? Um, but yeah, going through that divorce, which is a whole other story that changed my whole life because we had moved out of the state. We moved to Texas. So I was pretty much away from family except for like my aunt and uncle and some cousins. The three of you just left. Yeah. Um, And then going through that divorce and I lost our house because I could no longer pay rent. I was staying with, uh, on account of friends' house. This is in Texas. This is in Texas. I'm away from family. And you're not even in like a community to support you through that. I did make some friends by that time that were very helpful. But yeah, you know, it definitely felt alone definitely felt like my life was just like up in the air and adrift. And here I was now a single mom sleeping on a friend's couch. I was uh, unemployed at one point and I didn't know what was going to happen. He was like, I want to say maybe four or five years old at this point, you know? Um, And I'm, I felt like a total failure. I'm like, my marriage failed. I'm a single mom. Like I don't have a career path. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. My whole life was just in shambles and I felt a lot of shame. Yes. And um, eventually I ended up moving back home. That made me feel like I was taking steps back in life because I worked so hard to get out of my parents' house. Mm. So then I was like, okay, I, here I am back home. Like where See I started. That, <laughs> that right there, like that yeah. um, feeling because life is, we, we, we want it to be so linear. Yes. And we yes. have the expectation yes. that it's gonna be linear. And it's just kind of amazing that we still expect it, even though we look around and everyone's story is just not that. No. But like yeah. that feeling of I'm taking steps, steps back, back in my is life. probably the most discouraging feeling. Absolutely. Because you're like, oh, I'm supposed to be going this way and now I'm going that way. Now, like, is this just the trajectory of my oh, life? Oh, but at the same time, now I have this image because I'm in ministry too. Mm. So then I had that dichotomy of going, oh, Ugh. I feel disqualified now as a person oh my who's, a, who's seen as a leader or a, a figure and doing ministry because my life is in shambles. Wow. And yet I'm leading and serving people, 
you know? Right. Um, I felt like that disqualified me in some way. And then... So there's that shame. There's that shame. And then eventually, like, moving back home, which was the best thing that I did because mm-hmm. I got to reground. Like, my, I told my mom... I was like, I don't want to go back home, you know? And she's like, well, you know what? Sometimes you take two steps back Mm -hmm. to take three steps forward. Sometimes you have to do what you don't want to do for a time so you can do what you ultimately want to do in the long run. And that really clicked for me. So I said, okay, I'm going to use this time to build. So I moved back home. I started going Mm. back to school. I was working. I started uh, being self-employed, doing digital media marketing Mm. as a contractor, being able to, so I was able to work from home and go to school yeah. while having support with my son, with mm. my mom. Um, wow. And so that that shifted my whole life to where I was able to rebuild my life. Right. Um, and get to where I am now, you know, which yeah. another change. Then I was a single mom dating. Like that's a big change. <laughs> yeah. And then I was a single, a single mom, mom dating with a son. With a son while in school. Like, and then I met Jason you know, and now, and then the change of like, now I'm getting remarried and now we're blended family. So my path has Mm. been so nonlinear from the start. Like I used to like, yeah, pray to God, like, God, why does, why does so much happen to me? You know, some are my choices, Mm. you know, but some is just life, you know, being out of your control and other people's choices affecting you that are out of your control. So not to go on for too long, but yeah, I mean, my life has just been like, filled of change and and yeah. big changes, you know, being away from family, losing my, you know, losing my house and having to let go wow. of things in storage. And it was like, oh, I finally had a place. And then, you know, now I'm in somewhere I never could imagine. We're doing great, you know, and right. we are. I'm back in my own place with my husband and we're thriving, yeah. you know, in, a, in such a healthier path. But it took like this whole breakdown all throughout my 20s in multiple ways. Wow. for me to get here. Thank you so much for sharing that. Because as we go throughout this episode, we're yeah. going to also kind of unpack a little bit more of all the things that you learned because I feel like everything that you shared, mm-hmm. while it like brings this part out of me, that's just like, oh my gosh, you've been through so much. Yeah. It also reminds me of so many other people's stories oh too. Gosh, yeah. Like we all collectively as humans go through so much change yeah. and yet we still hold this idea that it's supposed to be different. Our life is supposed, it's supposed to, to play be... out a certain way. Right. Even as I'm talking about it, I notice my body is getting a little tense. Yeah. You're like, and let's, let's like, skip over this and not I'm talk like, about no, it. No, no, we can talk about it, you know, but I need <laughs> even notice, I was like, oh, wow. Like my body is even still, like it still has stored all of the different like traumas and emotions and memories and everything that I was going through. I remember feeling like, is this my life? And going through depression at some point because everything felt so hazy and unclear, right? you know? So I even just like have to take a deep Mm -hmm. breath and like relax my muscles because yeah yeah I mean this all that comes out this present version of you feels and is and moves through the world in such a different way oh yeah than some of these past versions of yourself and you probably Mm -hmm. were sitting in those seasons and you know you just shared the synopsis in like 10 minutes but in that moment it probably felt like some of those moments were like a lifetime oh yeah of like oh yeah there's just all I've seen is darkness and hopelessness. And mm-hmm. a lot of times when you're really in the depths of changes and transitions and those kind of darker times in life, yes. Um, I there's a 
a poem that I always remember, like kind of one of the only things I remember from English class in, in my sophomore year in high school. But it was a poem by Emily Dickinson mm-hmm. and it's called Pain Has an Element of Blank. And the mm. whole poem was all about the idea that when you are in experiencing pain, mm-hmm. there's nothing in front of you. Exactly. Like hope is literally taken away when you're in pain yes. and all it feels like is just this blank wall. And I always remember that yeah. whenever I'm going through a season oh, of pain that, is so reminding real. myself like this feels like it's going to freaking last forever. It feels like this is my life. And it will never end. And this is who I am now. Well, see, then that part too, right? Then it trans... What's happening in your outer reality gets translated into your inner reality. It gets translated into your identity. So now your identity Mm. is being defined by your outward circumstances. Absolutely. Where you say, this is who I am now. I must be a failure. Things must go wrong for me. I must be unlovable. I must be... And your brain starts to look for it. Or I must be dumb. Or I must be stuck. Or you start creating your identity now around these outward circumstances. And I really think a big part of healing and recovery and getting back on your feet is actually being able to reframe and re-identify your identity again. Yeah. Because actually what you do comes out of what you believe about yourself. Oh, 100%. And what you're capable of, right? Yes. So once you start making those shifts, then it then actions start following with yeah. that shift where now you start making proactive steps to get out of your situation because at that point then, once I started going back to school mm-hmm. and I was working and like things were kind of stabilizing again, I could see a path. Yes. I was like, I could see where I was going. Hope is and restored. Then I, <laughs> yes. And then I started making actions toward that. But um, even to get to that point where that time, hope is though. restored, where you start reforming who, what, how you feel about yourself. Yeah. Sometimes there are just these seasons where you do not have the energy Mm-mm. or anything like you and we'll talk about this later like mm-hmm. sometimes you need the other people in your life to tell yes. you who you are because yes. in that moment you don't even know you how to think it. well of yourself you cannot see it or like how yeah. to believe in yourself because all you feel are yeah. shame fear doubt yeah insecurity so oh my gosh what I love though is seeing who you are like now oh hearing your story and seeing just the the light the brightness in your eyes, mm. the joy for life. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's nothing like um, like wanting to live another day. Well, it's like, it's the whole idea of like when you felt the depths of despair and of hopelessness and of pain. Yes. Then when you feel the joy and the gratitude and the appreciation of life, it's at such a heightened, you feel it so much more yeah. fully. Like you feel it so much more because you know what it feels like to be in complete despair. So then joy and hopefulness and purpose, like you feel that like so much more, Yeah, you know, and it's crazy because like you said, it feels like a lifetime. I look back and I feel like I've lived seven different lifetimes. Right. <laughs> I'm probably going to look back when I'm 80 and I'm like, hey, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, like, I, think life, I think life is going to feel like you live like 10,000 different lifetimes yeah. within your life because there's so many changes that take place in your life that like change you and change your direction mm. and change who you meet and who you use in your community oh my gosh, and yes. all those things that it just feels like different lifetimes. And so I have to say like, when you're first going through that change, yeah. like when you're first, it's first hitting you unexpectedly, you know, you want to be on the other side. Like oh, we want yes. that, we want we it to want shortcut. Out. 
right we just now. Out. We want it's it. So we true. want out yesterday. We just went out. We're like, this is so uncomfortable. Like, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel this way about myself. I don't yeah. want my life to look this way, be this way. I just went out. And that's when you can actually defer to some really unhealthy coping, coping mechanisms. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Just out um, of like survival. Out of survival and just out of like, I just want to be a break, this. you know? Um, but I really do encourage taking the time to really lean into like what's going on. Hmm. You know, I, I took a lot of time. I did a lot of journaling that was just like, what are the things that took place in my life that led me to these choices or yeah. that led me to this moment? What are the things I see now that I couldn't see before? Or like, what are the things that went wrong in this relationship that um, I want to be aware of for future relationships, mm-hmm. you know, um, all of those things. I did a lot of just getting really clear. What are the cycles that are repeating in my life? What are yeah. the patterns that are repeating in my life that keep, you know, having me end up in this place or in these types of situations that yeah. I need to break, whether that's through therapy or counseling or coaching or, you know, um, even just journaling. Mm-hmm. I think those seasons are so important because like we said, um, if if you you take you into every situation, yeah. right? So you'll just repeat some of these choices and some of these situations um, if you don't kind of reflect on like how you got there and where you want to be and right. how that's going to look differently. There's some things that are outside of our control that are that weren't our doing, but we can even still just reflect on okay, how did this, mm-hmm. how did this happen, and like what are some steps I can take wow. forward. But if you shortcut that process, then you come out kind of half baked, mm. right? You kind of come out prematurely. I think these are the seasons where you learn the most about yourself. Oh, yes, you learn the most about yourself. Yes, like and where you grow the most. I think this is where the most unseen inner work takes place that matures you and your character and your awareness that will carry you into a lifetime. Also, to where you will be able to relate to and talk to other people because you did the work with yourself. Yeah, when other people are going through it. You'll be able to identify it. You'll be able to put language to it. You'll be able to be a safe person for them. You'll be able to help them cope in healthy ways because you were able to sit with the discomfort of your own stuff. You can sit with this discomfort of others. Yeah. How we deal with other people's emotions is is based on how we deal with our own. Mm -hmm. And so I think these seasons are really um, important for like really leaning in and becoming self-aware yeah, because uh, that's going to give you a lot of wisdom. And it's obviously, forward. you know, been a huge, it it all adds to your personal story and oh, your yeah. narrative. And, um, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's huge. That's an incredible yeah. story that you have now that you draw from every day. Sometimes I'm like, it's so in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh yeah, I did. I yeah, did of go course. All yeah, because you can't live there like all <laughs> no, the time. No, you can't live there. No. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, it's really interesting. And yeah, so so my story is yeah. Um, tell us about not you. As, you know, no, um, not as not as many changes I would say, but mm-hmm. definitely those deep identity crises. Ooh, that's huge. Um, though. Yeah. Yeah. So basically. I think probably when I look back at one of the first changes and seasons of change in my life was when I was 15. Okay. And um, I, you know, just kind of grew up. I'm really grateful that I had like such a great, like stable, loving, wonderful upbringing. Yeah. Like that serves me all the time. That's a big advantage. Yeah. I love that. I, I have like... 
a feeling, a, a general feeling of safety within relationships and within the people that I love. You have like a secure attachment style. Um, She's yeah. like, <laughs> I'm a little anxious, but I think it's because yeah. of what happened when I was 15. So, okay, okay. so my family completely, you know, like we, we were kind of this like perfect family. And then yeah. my parents split up and mm. like life just kind of went chaotic in that way. Yep, yeah. And I kind of got, um, and I've mentioned this before in previous episodes, but I kind of got pulled into um, a, a a more fundamentalist religious subculture um, that I was in from when I was 15 until I was around 26 years old. That's 11 years. <laughs> yeah, very formative. It was like the whole Super time you formative. were like raising Austin, I was... <laughs> No, you were. That's how I spent my twenties. Was in. um, So I, so I wasn't doing a lot of the same things people were doing in their twenties, but out of choice. And I was kind of in a. In some ways, the way that I look at it now is, is I feel like I was living on another planet. You kind of were. Yeah, because a rock. You were kind of. There, you know, there were totally different rules you live by, um, and you know what kind of rules. (laughs) Oh gosh. I mean, just a lot of rules about who you are allowed to be as a person. Yeah. And so I think that's like a tell telling flag, um, which we're actually going to have a whole month on this type of topic yes. next year. But yeah. that was that was a really telling um, flag of uh, being in an environment where people really uh, want to control uh, the way you self-express. And so yeah, one of and those, your choices. your choices. So whether that was what I was, you know, what I felt like I was allowed to wear and no one would tell you you're not allowed or allowed to do this. It was mainly like manipulation, shame, insinuating that yeah. God was not pleased High with you. control environment. Right. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, ways that the only thing I was kind of, I felt at calm and peace in my life to do was to evangelize, uh, read my Bible, pray, and go to like spiritual conferences. Other yeah. than that, like what I wore, what I listened to, no media for those years. I mean, I literally never, I did not watch a movie for 10 or 11 years. I never watched TV shows. I'm still catching up to this I know. Day. If I make a <laughs> reference, you're like, wait, what is that? I'm and like, okay, go watch this now. <laughs> I know that some of you guys can relate to me and yeah. I used to feel yes. so alone, but actually yeah. there are a lot of so religious organizations and, yeah. and ways that we live out our lives where we do feel like we live on another planet, where we're not in touch with mainstream culture. And sometimes it's not a terrible thing, but also right. like- Because you're supposed to be not of this world. Not of this world. Well, I was taken, not of this world. No, you I were, was of you were another in a different planet. World. I was like living another. on Mars. I think that's my ruling planet. Anyway, yeah. I was, <laughs> Did you say a ruling planet? What is... Anyway, we, we won't get into astrology here. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, I was living on another planet. Um, I had dedicated my life to kind of this way of living. And then when I was 26, I was getting this feeling that this was not for me long-term. And really it was my brain kind of just developing developing more. Yeah, I was going to say, your Um, brain started developing. Yeah, I was like, ooh. Your cognitive development started catching up. Right. So in 2016, when I was 26 or 2017, one of those years, um, I got let go from the job that I was at. And the job that I was at was very, um, it was... It was the religious-based job that I was in okay. that I'd committed my life to. So long story short, when that happened, I kind of started going through this identity crisis. Yeah. And sometimes when that, because I had dedicated my life to this work and then I got a two weeks notice 
And it was like, oh, everything I had built in that world. It was like totally swept under from under your feet. And I just felt so like, oh, okay. And you know what? Like people get let go all the time. I got let go because it was, they weren't doing well financially. And so um, it threw me into like, I feel like I was on another planet and then I got like chucked out into space. And I was like, where am I? Who am I? No one ever told me who I was outside of this world. I never got the opportunity to learn what I like, what I dislike, what I want to even do outside of of evangelism and telling people about the Bible and God. Like, who am I outside of that? So I literally just started going through. And some of you might be going through a season of confusion. And honestly... It's really hard because you have to try things and mm-hmm. you have to think about what direction you want to go to, to, but sometimes it's like... And you have to make mistakes. You have to make mistakes. Yeah. And and I did that so many times. I think I tried like four or five different things because I just literally had almost a blank slate. Yeah. You're almost like trying on identities. I was like, should I be a nurse? Yeah. You're like trying on identities. Should I go to identities. public health? Should I be a pastor? Should I, um, you know, like be go into business? Like I'm, you know, I'm a strong like Aries. I could do this. Um, anyway, I yeah. I was trying so many different things, and and looking back, I thought it was because I didn't know myself, which is true. But I was I was truly just discovering. Yeah. But it was really hard to do that at 27. It is. Because most people do that when they're, you know, well, no, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of people do that when they're 21 you <laughs> or know, 25. I relate to you actually, because in a similar way, because I had my son young. Right. And I became so a mom and a wife young. Aside. Everything was aside. So it, again, for me too, it wasn't until my mid late right. 20s where mm. I was like, oh, wait. Who am I? What do I like? What do I want to do? Because I actually, my whole life was given to ministry and my family, which isn't mm-hmm, a bad thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I, there were a lot of ways that I was disconnected from myself. And I'm really glad you shared that, that because yeah. I think that a lot of our life experiences are actually really relatable to one another. Yeah. And we feel really alone. Like for me, I was like, oh my gosh. And when I came out of it, I was like, I felt like I was sort of like in a cult. They kind of, you know, and 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 I'm the only one. How did I get sucked up into that? Grace, I felt kind of out. ashamed. I oh, was right. like, you know, like, how do I, I end just, up in this I situation? Dumb? Like, did I, was I <laughs> so gullible? Was I so naive? How did I not see it? How did I not see it? So yeah. I felt like kind of isolated and alone. But then as I've gotten older and heard yeah. more people's stories, it's like, oh, well, those particular experiences might be um, unique to me, but the whole idea of having to find yourself later in life is yeah. not a unique thing. I think actually it's very common for your 20s to be mm-hmm. those years, to be that decade of trying on things, right? running into the walls, you know, going broke oh multiple times, trying to figure but out your finances. some of these mistakes cost China. money, y'all. Yeah. That's and what's so they hard. They feel like they're setting you back. But I mean, I love being in my 30s, I have to say. Because I, I do feel like my 20s was like one big trial period. Right. So if there is anyone who right. is like hitting their 30s and they feel like, oh, I'm just like learning who I am outside of all these other constructs or like you feel like your 20s was just a total blow or like yeah. you feel like your whole life just got you know, thrown down the drain or you don't know where you're going, just know like this is, I think that's a very normal yes. thing to go through. And but, I think as yeah. we just continue to build on it, as we get older and have more experiences, it becomes more and more clear to us, like who we are, yes. what we're meant to be doing, you know, 
all of those things. That is such good news because so, I, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. And I think it just has to be said again, like in our mm-hmm. 20s, we have this idea that we can shortcut and get to the top. You are yeah. not going to reach the top of your mountain in your 20s. I if mean, you do, if you do, tell great. us your secret. <laughs> and there will probably be like, that's probably one mountain that's going to lead to another. And I'm not saying that you yeah. shouldn't like go for your goals, right. but you shouldn't put yourself, put pressure on yourself mm-hmm. to the point where if things aren't going the way that you wanted, that you're supposed like so surprised and it now becomes what's wrong with me. Right. Rather than this is a part of life. Yeah, this is the part of the process. That that was a huge reframe for me. Instead of thinking all the time, what is wrong with me? I started thinking, no, nothing's wrong. This is a part of life. This is part of what happens in your 20s. Like, no, it's not ideal. It's mm-hmm. a part of life. And even into your 30s. And even into your 30s. I mean, 30s. for some people, for you know, real, everyone's timeline is different, even into your 40s and 50s. Like, yeah. And we're not saying that there's like this thing that you have to get through and then all of a sudden you're living a successful life. <sighs> like as you're living, you're learning so many things about yourself. Yes. And, and being able to accept the season that you are in without making it all about how bad or wrong you are, something's wrong with you, or like trying to rush out of it so fast because it's so uncomfortable. I mean, right. I think that's really important. And when I look back at my story, like I I started nursing school and I, I dropped right. out. I, I, I kind of paid like quite a like thousands of dollars already and I yeah. didn't finish it. And so that's something that I, you know, like I was like, okay, well, this is part of my story. This is what I had to do. And now I've learned some lessons from it. And so, um, so really from that point when I was 27 was a lot of just rebuilding my own sense of identity, finding who I was. And, um, because, because I was in a mentality in that world where we were actually quite critical of a lot of people, right? Sometimes when you're in hyper-religious organizations, you're very critical of others because it's us versus them. But that, even though you leave that environment, that mentality is still there. It's with you. But instead of Mm -hmm. you doing that to others, you think that others are doing that to you. And you're doing it to yourself. And so then you're doing it to yourself. So I felt like I was in in like a fishbowl. Like I was like, everyone's watching me as I change. Everyone's wondering like, oh, now, and then I felt kind of chained. Like, am I allowed to self-express in this way? Am I allowed to wear that? Am I allowed to listen to that? Am I allowed to rebrand myself? Without everyone looking at me and judging me and being like, oh, she's trying to change. But who that's not who she is. is. Yeah. Exactly. And and over during throughout that time, I just had to, like the number one skill that was so helpful for me was self-acceptance at every stage of life. Yes. And just being like, hey, this is my journey and not yours. And if it means that I go through a phase where I like this or I do this or I, you know, self-express in this way and then I change my mind, then I'm allowed to do that. And so yeah. are you. Yeah. Because it's it's your one life, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and no one else has to live with those changes or decisions other yes. than you do. So I think there are some really important reframes yeah. um, to pull out here is one, you know, when you feel like what is wrong with me, something's wrong with me. I think it's good to yeah. reframe that into what am I learning about myself? Yeah. 
right? Like what, what is this season of life teaching me about myself? Maybe teaching me areas where I need to grow or teaching me areas where I have these patterns mm-hmm. that I want or these cycles that I want to break, right. you know, or what have I learned from this experience? So I think that that was a big reframe going forward instead of continuously falling back into shame when yeah. these changes happen, thinking, you know, more along the lines of, okay, like, what do I have to learn from all of this now that I know about, which by the way, I feel like financial setbacks are really big in your 20s too. Yeah, they are. You make are. a lot of financial mistakes. That right. makes you feel crappy. I made mm-hmm. financial mistakes, especially when I was like starting out, contracted. Nobody taught nobody taught me how to do taxes. Oh, Because I, uh, everyone expects that you're going to work for people, people and your job not. is going to take yeah. out your money. What if you're self... I was self-employed in my yeah. 20s. I was contracted. Nobody taught me how to do taxes. Mm. And eventually I learned kind of how, but then I was like, you know what? I need to delegate. Finally got an accountant to help me out with that stuff. Right. Right. So I had to learn that though. But at first I had to like make mistakes. So just realizing like, okay, what do I have to learn from this? What do I have to learn about myself from this? What do I need right now? You know, and making those reframes and Mm -hmm. through change because a lot of the the, the self-talk and the the framework, the mental framework that that creeps in during these big unexpected changes are changes are usually themes of failure mm-hmm. and themes of shame. Yes. Those are very common to feel. And so just being giving yourself permission to reframe those into being more learning oriented and to to use it as an opportunity to get more curious about yourself yeah. and more curious about life and say, okay, now I know these things. And guess what? That's actually what's going to grow your confidence in the long run. That I feel like has given me a, a lot of confidence to this day because I look back through my 20s and I said, you know what? I went through this. Yeah. I hit rock bottom here. I fell down here and I got back up every single time. And I learned so many resources along the way of like what to turn to when this goes wrong. I mean, there was a time I was on food stamps when I was on EBT Mm -hmm. food stamps. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a time I was on the, you know, on the county doing stuff. There were times I I had to, I did, I got on WIC through my pregnancy who Mm -hmm. helped give us food, right? Like I learned so many resources through my hardship. Right. And so now now that I'm older, when other people who are going through things ask me questions or need help with things, I'm like, okay, here's what you can do. You can do A, B, C, D. You can get this resource here. And the only reason I know these things is because of my rock bottoms, Right, is because of my struggles and these big life changes where I was forced to learn what my resources were. And now those have all become strengths. I told Jason, I was like, if we were to both go broke tomorrow and lose all our money, I know exactly like what to do. Right. Like I'm like, I know exactly like the resources to turn to, um, to kind of get us through because I've already hit rock bottom. I've had my lights turned off and not knowing where rent was going to come from or Mm. this bill was going to come from. I've already experienced all that. I got through it. So now I'm, I feel super confident because I'm like, I've already been to rock bottom. Yeah. And I built my way back up and I'm not perfect, but I've seen myself navigate these things in the past. Yeah. I've seen myself gather and that has built my confidence is actually all the change that I went through. So just knowing like the way life is now isn't necessarily the way life is always going to be. You know, you are turning a chapter. You're not closing the book, right? You have a whole book of life in front of you, you're just on a chapter. Yeah. You know, um, and believe it or not, even though it doesn't feel like it, you would be surprised in the ways in which it serves you in the future. 
Right. And I think that all of that is, um, you know, it's so powerful to see kind of back on the other side and looking back at it, right? Did I just say looking back at it? Sorry. Look back at it. Um, <laughs> looking, it, it's so powerful to see kind of looking back at your experience. But for those people that are in it right now, mm. it is so hard to give yourself self-compassion when you're in a season of change. Yeah. And when you're seeing so many aspects of your life fall apart and so many parts of your identity that maybe you don't recognize anymore. Yeah. Like I remember yeah. when I was going through so much change. Actually, when you go through change, you are going through a grieving process. That's what I was gonna say. You're you're in grief. You're in grief. So there's a lot of bargaining. There's a lot of anger. There's fear. There's shame. There's depression. There's, um, you know, you're moving towards acceptance, but it's like a rocky, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a rocky uh, like it's journey. An emotional roller coaster. It's an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. And sometimes you will. I mean, not sometimes. You will definitely kind of lose parts of yourself for that season. Mm -hmm. I remember like in general, I was always like a pretty happy person. Right. I, you know, was peppy, happy, looking forward to life. Yeah. During those times, I I was so irritable. Yeah. Um, I would yell at my boyfriend at the time. Not I don't I never yell or like raise my voice, but I would just get really snarky and be like kind of mean or, you know, like be really short, impatient. I would blow up at my sisters all the time, which was not like me. I just had such a short fuse. And you have to remember that if you're in that season right now, you are expending so much energy on trying to make life better. You're probably expending a lot of energy probably on like shame Mm -hmm. and fear and all of that. And also trying to make ends meet or, or getting through it, that you probably will be a little less patient with people. And there are things that are going to come out of you that you are not proud of. And I just have to tell whoever that person is mm-hmm. that this does not mean this is who you are forever. This yeah. is, you have to be able to see yourself in this season and, and accept that this is who I am in survival. This is who I am in a season of scarcity, in a season where I, you know, can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And, but that does not mean that's who you are. Yeah. And you have to give yourself that self-compassion and take a step back, look at the big picture. And I know it's hard to look at the big picture and see that hope, but as much as this can like get into your heart and mind right now, Mm -hmm. you are okay. You are not a bad person. Yeah. You are not uh, a person to be ashamed of yourself for the mistakes that you've made. You're a human. Like literally you're a human. Humans make mistakes and we learn through mistakes. You just have to keep getting up, taking a step forward and accepting that in time, Mm -hmm. like in time, there's so much that time and the process and the God those little steps add up. does for you over time yes, yes. that kind of work it out. And a lot of times we spend so much energy in our dark hole of like, why am I like this? Why did I do this? And, and we live in the past. Is. Exactly. We compare ourselves to other people. Oh my gosh. That's... See, that's the hard part too. It's a lot of energy. You're comparing the season of your change yes. to other people who have already feel, gone through it. Either have already gone through it or they're not mm-hmm. going through it at that yeah. time. 
So it looks like their life is so perfect and they have it it's all together. Not apples to and apples. you're in shambles. And it's like, okay, like that's just the relativity of life, right? Yeah. It's like you're in a season of change and maybe they're in a season of like stability. But then one day they are going to be in their seasons of change where things that happen in their life that are unexpected. And then maybe you're in your, like we're all in this cycle of life together right. as humans. And so it's really important not to, especially when we're in that state, you know, to compare our lives that everybody has That's it together. Huge. It's like, you're just, you're in a season of change. This is a season. It's not going to be your whole life. So right. try to, try to resist kind of comparing your, as they always say, like your chapter nine to someone else's chapter nine. And I'm not going to say it's chapter mm-hmm. 10 because it yeah. doesn't mean that they're ahead of you. Yeah. You guys just, your chapters just look different. Right totally now different. Yeah. Because you guys are in different books. Wow, that's so hard to do when you're in it. Yeah. It is so hard to not look at someone who is doing better than Girl, you. When I was like, in the middle of my divorce, I was in the middle of my divorce and I was seeing all these weddings and oh. like marriage announcements. Oh, yeah. And you have this, these multiple feelings of like, I'm happy for everyone, but I, this <laughs> but also, makes me feel like crap. Right. Like, you know, like it, it, it because it would highlight the loss and the shame right. of what just happened with me, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's... The raw feelings. It's so raw mm-hmm. when you're going through it and it feels like nothing in your life is working out and you're just seeing all these good things happening in everyone else's life. Oof. And you just have to remind yourself, like, we're just in different chapters. That doesn't mind me. My life can't look like that or it won't look like or whatever. Yeah. We're just in different chapters right now. And it's okay because my journey is my own. Yes. And like what's meant for, you know, my path is meant for me, mm-hmm. you know? And then I look now and I'm like, I'm in the happiest marriage of my life. Oh, I'm with the so love of happy my life. for you. I, like, I'm, I'm so happy <laughs> about life. You are so happy. Like, you know, but then if, there's no way I could have seen this right. in my season of change and in my season of being stuck. I couldn't have visualized this. I didn't even Mm. think or know if it was possible. All I knew was that I needed to continue positioning myself for where I wanted to be. You had to take that one step at a time. I just had to trust, position myself and trust. That's all it was. It was like, position myself, go back to school. Position myself, be open to meeting new people. Position myself and literally just trust the process because there's no way I can see or fortune tell what's going to happen. Absolutely. None of us can. We, we right. can't tell the future. and that, But you're on a path, right? Yes. You're on a direction. And so my dad always says, you know, at least God can steer a moving car, hmm. right? Like at least you're moving in the direction you want to be in, hmm. right? God can steer a moving car. He can't steer a car if it's parked. Which there are seasons to be still. <laughs> I know, right? Like, right. I'm like nuances. I can't move nuances. A there muscle. are seasons to be still. There was a week I couldn't get off of my friend's couch because okay. I was depressed. And can we as talk heck. about how that's you like know? so energy draining to be depressed? I feel like, and that's how it is. You go through that season where you're yeah. just like depressed. You're depleted. You feel and hopeless. That's okay. You feel like crap. Mm-hmm. Feel all the things because then once you've grieved all of it, then you get to a place where you're like okay, I'm ready for yeah. the next step. But you need to, you really do need to grieve all that stuff. And it's okay. And and, and even wondering like, okay, when am I going to feel like me again? Or when is life yeah. going to feel normal again? Yeah. Or when, I, when am I going to get back to who I was? Like you feel all those things. And it's like, just keep 
moving forward through one whatever it is you have to process one step at a time, feel the things you might feel thing, multiple things. You might feel low and you might feel motivated at the same time. Yeah. Every day might look different, but it's all normal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that so much because I mean, when you're in that season, it feels like you weigh a million pounds. Yeah. I mean, also like when I lived, I was like, you might've gained <laughs> yeah, a exactly. million pounds too. <laughs> yeah. Because actually, yeah. you know, you, yeah. again, I always come back to this idea of, of um, how much energy we have, because when we're going through a time that's mentally draining, yeah, that is probably the most energy draining. It it's not just like physical things that you do. It's yeah. like the emotional and mental aspects of all the things we talked about, the shame, the fear, uh, comparison, all of that. Mm-hmm. So especially, you know, we're going into a cooler season. We're going to a colder season, um, a time when we all kind of in general feel a little bit more sluggish. And yeah. if your life is already kind of, if you're resonating a lot with what we're talking about right now, and we're going into this season, that yeah. can feel really scary Yeah, because it's like, ooh, like at least when the sun was out, at least when I had a little bit more motivation to get out and yeah. take that walk. And now like... The it's going to be dark by 4.30 or 5, you yeah. know, um, all of those things because we're right around the corner from daylight savings time. Mm-hmm. And I just want to tell you that it's going to be okay. Yeah. That yes, you're in the season, but now is the time actually, and we will share some practical tips here in a little bit, but like yeah. now is the time to really start preparing. What are the things that I need to do to keep myself above water in the next like four months? When even it's, if it's small things. Even if it's small, yeah. you have to be so intentional, make some accountability, like make it an intention during yeah. this darker, cooler season. Yeah, These are some of the things. And for me, it was like, I could barely drag myself out of my apartment to go on a run. So I was like, okay, I got to do like a little yoga thing in my, you know, and, um, and I did during that season, I did gain weight. I I didn't Mm -hmm. feel great about myself. I felt physically sluggish. Those are all just things that come with that season and a season of change. So again, this is not who you're going to be forever, but you are in energy saving mode because maybe you're confused. Maybe there's not a lot of clarity in your life. Maybe you're not confident. That's okay. Yeah, it's not because something's wrong with you. It's because there are literally circumstances in your life that have changed your clarity. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. that's normal. It is yeah. normal. And it and it will, like, there is going to come a time when there is more clarity. There will be more energy. There will be more yeah. light. Yeah. You just have to take it one step at a time and be really intentional. I'd love to introduce a psychological cognitive bias here. And yeah. that is the control fallacy. Oh, the I fallacy of control yeah. that we see a lot. There's kind of two sides of control fallacy. There's the one side of control fallacy where we believe that we should be able to control everything. Mm. And that is a trap. So that's like one extreme. That's one extreme. And that's a trap because the moment that things go go out of your control, that's when you start internalizing what is wrong with me? What didn't I do? Then you're spending a lot of your energy trying to regain control. You might even be manipulating things, cutting corner, whatever, like Mm. because you're trying to regain control and it's giving you anxiety because what happens is is the thing that you're trying to control ends up controlling you. It ends up controlling your mind, your thoughts, your behaviors, right? Mm. Um, And so that's one side of the control fallacy where we have to pause and realize I am not in control. Mm. There's nothing I could have done or I did everything I could do. There's nothing else I could do. Like I cannot control what this person does. Like I can't control these things that are, I I surrender 
these things that are out of my control. Once you realize that, like Mm -hmm. you really realize, actually, this was out of my control. Like that's, that frees you. Yeah. Like me getting let go. That was completely out of my control. And now that I look back, I was like, oh, Jesus did that for me. My (laughs) divorce, he was, was, God was helping me. My divorce was out of my control. This person made choices and I did every freaking thing I could to hold on to it. And this person made choices. Yeah. You know, they decided they chose a different direction. Yeah. And I couldn't control them. I couldn't control their choices. And finally, I had to say, hey, if this is what you want, Mm -hmm. like, tell me now, like, speak now or forever hold your peace, you know, because we're tied into this with you. Right. Right. So, like, being able to let that go Mm. and even being able to look back and say, I did everything I could in that situation, like... I can't control. There's some sense of comfort in knowing so that that's something like, yeah, you couldn't control that situation. And yeah. so it it is what it is. Yeah, being let go, you can't control that. Yeah. You know, loss, obviously, you can't control that. You know, all those things. And then the other side of control fallacy is believing that you don't have any control over anything. Mm. And that leads you into the pessimistic feeling of like, well, life is crap. And there's nothing I can do about it. And maybe like anything that's going to happen to me is probably going to be bad anyway. That's when you kind of fall into that victim mentality, mm. right? Of like everything happens to me, everything goes wrong. There, you get you get that learned helplessness. Maybe you end up internalizing toward yourself. I'm a crappy person mm. or I'm this or I'm that, right? Mm. Um, and actually what that does is that put that, that leads you into a place of apathy where then you don't do anything to mm. take control over your situation. You don't do anything. And you don't take the steps that you could be taking to change your situation because Mm. you're now in this learned helplessness of this is just my life. This is just how things are. I can't control anything. When there actually are some small things that you can, that are within your control that can begin to add up and make shifts in your life. Yeah. So even just recognizing if you fall into any aspects of control fallacy where you either have a hard time accepting that there are things that are out of your control if you hold on to the shoulds of what you should be able to control with people, with life, mm. or are you falling into the other side of like, I don't have control over anything and everything happens to me yeah. and you just kind of don't take any actions to make any changes. And then that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. of more things happening to you. I love that because it's always like making sure that we assess in our minds. And mm-hmm. actually, this is such a great practice in daily life, even if you're mm-hmm. not going through major shifts and challenges, yeah. is asking yourself when you start feeling those strong emotions that are overwhelming come up to stop and say, what can I control? Exactly. And what can't I control? Because certain yes. things that we can't control, we can't control the past. Right. We cannot actually control the distant future. We don't know what's going to happen. Like we can take steps, but we can't control it. Outcomes. We can't control other people's choices or their emotions. We cannot try to change. Or how they respond. How they respond. What people think of you. We can't change their opinions of us. But can we try? I mean, you can, but you're spending (laughs) so much energy. It's like you're like, to me, the way that it looks like to control people's opinions of you or try to get them to think a certain way about you. To me, it looks like, you know, we all have this emotional or this um, this bank. And I feel Mm -hmm. like we all have... 10 $100 bills. And each Mm. of those $100 bills represents like an amount of energy that we expend in caring what people think of us. Is this a word problem? (laughs) (laughs) 
So I know, right? It's like no, a math problem. I, I'm following. <laughs> so you have 10 of them. Who should you give those to? Right. You should give those Where to the people. Where should energy go most to? Because you yeah. should give those to the people who have shown over time that they are loyal to you. They think the best of you. Ooh, they like love that. you. Yeah. And they... Um, they support you. Yeah. Instead, we give them over to people we've never met on the internet. Yeah, we give strangers. that $100 bill to someone that like sees us at the grocery store and we're like so worried about what our hair looks like. It's like, you'll never we'll see, see that them again. again. Yeah, yeah. You know, or we give it to, you know, a boss or someone that, um, you know, hasn't shown us that they yeah. truly give us the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. We only have a certain amount and when we expend yes. too much of that, most people are actually in bankruptcy. They give so yeah. many of those out. And then they're, they're left at a deficit. Mm, they're in I a think deficit. that's a good uh, parallel. But we can't you know, control it's like, it. What, what, what is worth investing your energy into? Because right. energy is expendable and yeah. it does have a limit. And so we have to decide like where it's going to go. And like I said earlier, when you try to control things so much, they end up having control over you. So when you are trying right. to control what people think about you and control people's opinions, the reverse is that actually their opinions and what they think about you end up controlling you yes. and your actions and what you do and, and how it drains you conduct you more. yourself. It drains you and it disconnects <laughs> you from yourself. And then you wonder why you have an existential crisis. Whereas you know, if I give $100 to me, you, thank you, someone who loves me <laughs> and do, who I really like, believes the best about me, right. they are go those types of people are going to invest it back I was going to say, you're going to get you. a return. You're going to get it back. Wow. Are we an economics podcast now? I'm telling you, it's girl math and it makes sense. It is girl math. <laughs> it's <a> therapist math. <laughs> I like that. But but yeah, so those are things that we cannot control. So in, in that moment, whatever yeah. season you're in, ask yourself, am I trying to control something that I can't control? Right. And then on the other hand, is there something that I can control that maybe I'm too afraid yeah. to step out in and maybe I need to take a little bit more action? Yeah. Or maybe just need some even accountability. Yeah. Which support can sometimes be triggering. And um, if you've been in a high control mm -hmm. religious environment, mm -hmm. um, but I, I mean accountability in the sense of, like you said, someone who really cares for you yes. is not trying to control your autonomy. Right. But you might say, like, for me, when I was going through it, I was like, I knew I needed community. And I knew I, so I actually was going to celebrate recovery at church. Mm. Um, and I remember telling a friend, like, hey, um, I'm going to start going to this group. I know that I really need it. Can you just kind of like, check in with me to make sure that I go because I know I'm not going to feel like going. And yeah. she literally put it in her calendar, the times for Celebrate Recovery. Wow. Um, and she would hit me up and be like, oh, hey, how was it? And kind of check in with me. Now, this was something that I set for myself yeah. that she held me accountable to, to help me take the steps I needed to heal forward. Mm. So, so yeah. Things I love like, that. That's like so that. sweet to have friends like yeah, that. Yeah. If you have a friend that's like, hey, I, I, I'm trying to work on this and I know I need to do this thing to heal, mm -hmm. right? It's still you taking responsibility for yourself. There's not a codependency mm -hmm. there. Um, would you mind actually just like helping me stay accountable to this? Like, yeah. Do you have the capacity to? Because um, that'd be super helpful for me during this time. And you just check in were... like... Did you, were you able to go for your run mm -hmm. or like, were you able to go to that group or like, even just like, how was it? Oh, you weren't able to make it. What's going on? Yeah. You know, and without any agenda, yes. right, without them having an agenda, just being there can be helpful during these times because it can be hard to be self-motivated. Mm to do some of these healing steps. That's so true. And I think that's a good like nuanced perspective is that 
Um, there are some things that are definitely out of your control. Mm-hmm. And even though there are things that are within your control, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll say, well, I know this is in control, but I can't get myself to actually do oh, it. So real. And so then we just go right back into the shame spiral. Why can't I get myself See, to do it? something is Why? wrong with me. Exactly. And we always come yeah. back to that. But actually, if you focus, again, coming back to your own um, capacity, mm-hmm. especially knowing, accepting and knowing that you are in a tough season, mm-hmm. Give yourself a little bit of time and patience and say, hey, okay, I know there is, theoretically, I know there's something that I actually do have control over and that I do eventually want to do. Right now, what is blocking me from doing it? Mm -hmm. I'm going to try as much as possible not to jump into the shame spiral of like, look at you, you can never get things done. This is always going to happen to you. Because that's not going to serve you. No, but it's like, okay, what what's blocking me right now? Is it, I just don't want to do it? Or maybe I'm afraid of something. Maybe I feel overwhelmed because I don't even know where to begin with is that. Is it even realistic? Am I ma- maybe is it's too big of a step? Do I need right. to take a smaller one? Or maybe I need more time than I think I do. Yeah. Like maybe I want to get it done right now, but actually it's going to take me three months. Yeah. And so we have to have a uh, posture of, of self-compassion. Yeah. And time and patience mm-hmm. for the things that we even can control. Yeah. Because some people will be like, I know I have control over, you know, I need to get out there and I need to go exercise. I need to go do things, this, but I never do it. And it's like, the issue is never you. It's always your strategy or your your mindset. Like just yeah. those two things. It's your yeah. mindset or your strategy, but it's not who you are as a person. Right. You don't need to define You're worthy yourself. Of it. You need You're, to define your whole yes. self off of this. Exactly. So I just yeah. wanted to say that because sometimes even with things that are in our control, yep. there are deeper reasons why we actually don't go forward to yes. do something about it. And sometimes it's fear. Yes. It's uncertainty. It's overwhelm. But that's at that point, if we can remove the identity part from mm-hmm. that, from the equation yeah. and just say like, what what is the strategy? Maybe I can get some support. Yes. Just be super patient with yourself along the yeah. way. You're going through a really tough season. So you got to yeah. be patient. Yeah. I love that. Again, just coming back to that identity piece because just recognizing that this is what takes place. I feel like half of the battle of getting out of these situations when you're stuck is knowing what is actually going on like psychologically. And mm-hmm. one of those things are that it's very easy to take your external circumstances and project it onto who you are and your identity and just being able to reclaim that identity and, yeah. and even having people in your life who can speak yes. to the to the real you of who you really are. Because sometimes our, our own view of ourselves are biased because we're already in a negative framework. We're already in a deficit. Mm. So we're seeing ourselves from this bias. So it's hard for us to see those other aspects of our identity and of our being right. that are important, that are strengths, that are valuable, you know? Um, and so being able to either distinguish that for yourself by writing it out, make, making lists, like what are my strengths, Yeah, right? Because these are the things that circumstances don't define. Mm-hmm. These are the characteristics that are who you are at your core that stick with you, Right. you know, and being able to have people around you who can speak to those things. I love that. Yeah, so some mindset shifts that I think are also really important during the season. Um, And we touched on it before, which is remembering that nothing lasts forever. Mm -hmm. And again, with the theme of fall and changing seasons, Mm -hmm. I think it's a really beautiful thing to look around you, to go outside and see how much change there is in, in the leaves 
And if you're in California, well, if you're in California, like just yeah, just watch a video. Visualize on, it. <laughs> yeah, look at like go to like New England, visit, watch um, some videos. Yeah, but yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. things change a lot, and we get into this fixed mindset, which we're actually going to talk about in a future episode. Yeah, um, which is the idea of permanence. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing mm-hmm. is forever, and one of the tenets of resilience. Yeah is recognizing that nothing is forever. Mm -hmm. The issues that you were dealing with 10 years ago, you are not, you know, for the most part, um, not dealing with that. The things that were discouraging you and just racking your brain even two years ago. Can you remember some of those? Maybe, but maybe not. Things change. Circumstances change. And and it, it sometimes doesn't change right in this moment, mm-hmm. it might take a little bit longer. But if you continue to remember that as a rule in life, mm-hmm. you're, there, there will be so many different types of seasons. And so yes. one thing is for certain though, and that is change. Change. You change will always be one thing that experiencing is, change. What do they say? Death and taxes and change. <laughs> and change. <laughs> exactly. So just remember that nothing yeah last forever, this moment that you're mm-hmm. in, pain has an element of blank. You're, there's a moment, this moment's going to feel like forever, but but it truly, truly yeah. is not. Yeah. When I was like, when I was a single mom sleeping on my friend's couch, mm. I, I I thought that was my life. Like yeah. it, was, it just felt like this is my life now. And so you're so right. It's like, even though you're stuck there, it's all, it, I mean, it physically is your reality. It's all yeah. you can see. You can't see anything else. Just know that even, even storms pass. Um, I think a big life lurse, life lurson, <laughs> am I Scottish? Um, I think a big life lesson I took from all the drastic, because I feel like I went through big life changes one after the other, is to focus building a life around adaptability rather than perfection. Ooh, that is so good. If you can adapt that, like as a life principle, focus on building a life around being adaptable rather than being perfect. Oh, that's hard. Then when things come, you're like, okay, I need to adapt, right? You're like, okay, but this we want change things happened, to be perfect, but Brittany. that's just so not nothing in my life but has been perfect. What if we just want to be perfect? <laughs> I don't know. It's not human, you know. And it's right. just like now I'm actually so used to change. I'm yeah. so used to things being not perfect. I'm so used to things unexpectedly happening that in my mind it's just like okay, another opportunity to adapt. It's like okay, adapt. You know, in my see my downfall is I actually need to pause and process. That's what I'm bad at because I'm now I'm so quick to adapt because I've been used to being in survival Mm. and constantly adapting. So in a way, that's a good life skill that I built. But on the flip side, I can adapt quick so quickly that I don't process what's going on internally. And so that's something I've had to learn through therapy. Mm. And that's why I still go to therapy because it's like, pause, are we processing what's actually happening? We know you know how to survive. We know you know how to adapt. Mm. Can we pause and process what this is, what's happening? Yeah. I I remember telling my therapist like, yeah, this makes me feel sad. She'd be like, does it? Like you don't, it's like you can say, you can verbalize that it makes you feel sad, but do you actually feel it? Right. Like, you know, so that's my own thing. Mm. But yeah, you know, but that is a strength is learning. Okay. This is another opportunity to adapt to Mm. in life Um, because things are always going to change. So just normalizing that this actually isn't going to be your last change in life. Yeah. Like you're, there are going to be other changes that you go through in life, but this is a perfect opportunity to practice the skill 
of adaptability. The mindset. The mindset of adaptability to change because change is going to be a a pattern that consistently cycles throughout your life. So let's just normalize that. That change is going to happen. It's going to come, but definitely process what you're going through right now and recognizing that even though we get stuck in seeing something as an ending, as Mm. the end of things, recognize that endings are also a beginning. Mm. Endings are also a new beginning. So what's cool about endings is that actually sometimes they force you to make a shift in your life that you might not have made otherwise that you needed. Mm. And so that can be a really beautiful thing too, because once you've processed and you've grieved and you've grieved the ending of something, then you get to step over into a mindset of of curiosity and exploration and get to go, ooh, okay, so what do I get to do with my life now? And that's kind of what happened to me with my divorce. Mm. It felt like at first my whole life ended. My whole, not only my whole life, the future that I pictured mm. ended. That whole vision ended. Like everything literally lost my house, lost this, lost that. My whole life ended. But then once I kind of began to heal from it, then I got to turn and go, wait, I get to build a whole new life. Mm. Like I got, I started going back to school. And pursuing a different career. I don't actually don't know if I would have gone back to school if I didn't get divorced. I might have eventually, but I was kind of really just safe and like being home in this house in Texas and like sitting around. And I don't know, like, I would I have discovered my love for like psychology and gone back to school? Maybe, maybe later though. But, um, I started going back to school. I met new people and met new friends. I started a different kind of work, working from home and got to, I literally got to build a completely different life. Like my life looks completely different Mm. than it did before in all the best ways. Yeah, And so all that to say, like, grieve the ending. It can feel like a lot of things are ending when big change is happening. Um, But also know that this actually also creates an opportunity for a new beginning where you get to imagine again who you want to be and the life that you want and the things you want to do differently that you didn't get to do before because you were stuck in the cycle of what that life was and you didn't have the time or capacity to Mm. see your life in any other way. Now you get to reimagine your life. Right. You know? Especially, I mean, uh, when you're, for example, if someone's going through like a breakup. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a huge ending. It is. And it's devastating and it makes you kind of feel like, you know, someone just like reached into your chest and grabbed your heart and just just like crushed it, crushed it into a million pieces. And like life is never going to be the same. And you'll never know how to be the same person without that person. Yeah. And then if you're like me and you've gone through several serious relationships (laughs) that ended in breakups, you you start catching the, um, the, the pattern, which is that, yes, it feels like the world's going to end for every single one of them because they were all special and they all meant something. And I loved for all of Renella's exes out there. And I loved them all with my heart. They were such good men, (laughs) but they weren't for me. And at the end when it, um, you know, and then eventually after time, I was able, you, you always do. If you allow yourself to grieve, you get that perspective and you realize I can actually like, as long as I'm with me, I'm all right. Yeah. And we're going to have a whole month on the topic of relationships and love in February, which I'm so excited about. But that can be a huge 
change that people are going yeah. through is like going into, especially the holiday season, oh, going yeah. through a oh, break. It just oh. highlights everything. <laughs> you're now, like, you're not, now you're doing the holidays without this person. I know, and everyone's like falling in love or, you know, cuddle cuffing season, season <laughs> cuddle season, you know, and, yeah. and actually... If, if there's anyone out here that is like either newly single or ju- jumping into this season. Are you putting yourself out there alone? right now? No. no. <laughs> I thought you were making an announcement. If there's any man <laughs> who's listening. If you are tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no, I'm talking. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm genuinely, if there is someone that's like going into this season and you're feeling maybe a little lonely, I want you to know that this yeah. is actually a really beautiful season yes. to invest invest yes. in who you are to find, find what makes you again. happy yes, so true. and to see with your own eyes mm-hmm. how beautiful life can be with just yourself. Obviously, you want to be with someone. Most people do. Nothing's wrong and with that. And there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. But if this season finds you single, you literally never know what's around the corner. Literally. And when you do find that person and, and you know, they become your partner or you get married or whatever, life changes forever. And this is such a special season yes. to define who you are without anyone else because oh, that's who you need so to be special. when you're in that relationship too. And so, yeah, I mean, like there's nothing wrong with being single over the holidays. That's going to be one of our topics. I was going to say that's I, like, I'm getting I'm ahead so, of myself. I'm so happy. In December. I'm happy to be married, but thinking about <laughs> that season was so special for me. Right. Because you also get, even though it's the end of a relationship, you're also getting time back. Yes. Because all that time that you spent with that person, talking to them on the phone, texting them all the time, going places with them, spending, you actually just gained all this time back. Right. And now you get to use that time to reinvest into yourself and the things that you want to do. So for me, it's like I started blogging because now I have time to like blog and like go to different like events that yeah. I want to. I took myself on dates to the museum and like all these things, movie dates. It's like I got all that time back to yes. get to know me and reinvest in me and the things that I wanted to do. So again, for every ending, there's yeah. also a new beginning to build something new. And oh, that's love exciting. That. If you can then turn to the excitement of now, you actually have this open space to build and create something new. That creates a shift and momentum that can be really exciting. It, yeah, it can be. And and if you're right in the middle of it right now, I know everything we just talked about just seems like, like so far in the distance. Yet. Yeah. But um. But yeah, it is. It is a tough season, but a, a re- it can be a really beautiful season. So. Man, this has been such a good conversation because I, I actually genuinely believe this is such an important topic I'm because. So glad we- yeah. Decided to talk about this. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it's very real. And yeah. um, what are some, as we kind of wrap it up, like mm-hmm. what are some of the anchors that can kind of ground us during the season? Yeah. Because sometimes, again, hope can be like this distant thing oh, that's yeah. hard to grasp on. And so like when you're in it, you you're in it, in it. <laughs> you hopeless. What can ground you? Yeah. Like what are some of the things that we can try to be intentional about, even out of principle, even if you don't feel like it. But what are some of those anchors? Yeah, I love to call it anchors because if you think about it, it's like like you're a ship and you're on top of the water and you're just afloat and you're just adrift, right? And that's like like what life feels like. You Mm -hmm. feel like you're afloat and you're adrift. And so it's like, what are those anchors, the things that are going to like ground you to the ground and keep you from like, I don't know, going off to sea, Mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. And so for me, I think a major anchor, and this is still true in my life um, today, and that's family and relationships, friendships. Um, It's another reason that relationships are so important to me now because I 
I go through life changes still. I go through um, different hardships still. And so you really do want to have those people around you who can uh, speak to your identity, who can provide support, who can be a safe space where you can fully and honestly express what's going on, where you can be vulnerable, and who will continue to show you love and belonging um, when you are just kind of at the worst of yourself because Mm -hmm. you are... There's something about uh, feeling that, even just feeling and experiencing it with those who love you is is speaking a truth back into you. It's a reminder that I am still worthy of love and belonging, Mm. even though my life looks crazy, you know? What about those people who are experiencing a lot of change? Maybe they're drowning in a little bit of that shame, um, even with the people that they're close to, they're not sure how they how those people feel about them, and maybe they're um, they're tempted to just kind of isolate, yeah, because they just don't want to have to explain themselves and be around people and talk and yeah. I mean, sometimes the hard thing is still the right thing, right? And we know that relationships mm-hmm. are a one of the biggest kind of coping factors and positive. Uh, predictors of mental well-being is being able to have those close and meaningful relationships. So yeah, that might mean you're trying to be vulnerable for the first time. And what can suck about that is that that's also where you learn who you can maybe and can't be vulnerable with. Um, Maybe you practice this first in the safety of a therapy office or of a counselor's office. That's where you practice that too, is now you have someone who you know is professionally, you know, going to create a safe place and they um, are not going to share your business with everyone, you know? And so you can practice that there in the therapy room as well. I think that's really important because sometimes for those of you who are going through a really tough time, you might feel like... You might feel like you don't have anyone. Well, yeah. And sometimes you feel like you've worn out all the people around you (laughs) talking about your life Mm -hmm. because sometimes that's what happens is like you don't have a lot of positive things to say. You don't have a lot of energy to reinvest back into the people that you love and you kind of feel like you're draining everyone around you. And sometimes you kind of... It's not a it's, bad thing, it's but not. it's the season just in of the life season you are. In. Yeah, like, yeah. And 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 there and I think the people who really love you understand that that that's just a season, and they're willing to give you more mm-hmm. in this season because you'd probably do the same for them. So right. understand that that if yeah. you feel like you're draining the resources around you, number one, like don't feel bad. Like just know that the people who really care would totally do the same thing for you. Yeah. But number two. That's why therapy is really nice. And even support groups. Say you can't afford therapy. You go to support support groups. That's what they're there for. Like, you know, I mean, AA, if if, like you find yourself dealing with alcohol, church support groups like Celebrate Recovery. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I went through, you know, at first, because it was just like, I need somewhere where I can be open and I can share. And it's just like your brokenness is kind of welcome. Wow. I just said a very like churchy uh, that was a very churchy phrase. Is it churchy? I yeah. like it. Your brokenness is welcome here. I yeah. feel like that belongs on like a church billboard, you know? I feel um, like it should. But yeah, but no, well, places where like it's expected Yeah, that you guys are going to be honest and vulnerable about what you're going through and continuing to show up there because that is what's expected is for people to have the capacity to share these hard things. So yeah. whether it's in therapy or finding a support group, a local support group to be able to talk about these things. Um, I always say like use all the tools in your tool 
toolkit. Use mm-hmm. all the tools in your toolbox. Mental health is a is a system of care, meaning there are multiple things. So so yeah, so you're not maybe just leaning on one person completely right. um, for some of these hardships. I love that. I love that. Another one that I think is so important during this time that can also be really hard is is self-care. Mm, and yeah. self-care can look like many, many things. But um, when was the last time you did something that you truly enjoy? Now, I will say I do truly enjoy sitting in my bed at 10 p.m. watching my favorite CIA show. Ooh. Sometimes that's not always the best for my self-care. I enjoy it. I get a little dopamine hit from it because mm-hmm. I can just relax and do nothing. Yeah. Um, but sometimes like that means I'm sleeping late. Or oh, I'm just right. kind of like sitting there and vegging. Not bad, not a bad thing at all. But when you're doing like days and days and exactly. days and days in a row, so when I it say does self-care, get you in like a depressed state. Yeah, yeah like what, what would actually like give you back energy? Mm, that's um, good. What are some of those things that bring you joy that yeah. will also bring you back energy? So maybe that is being around people. Maybe that is like engaging in a hobby. Join a workout class. Yeah. Or like, yeah, join a hobby Exactly. Group. Do something that is, you know, like, or maybe you go to one of those like paint and sips or, you know, just do something out of the ordinary that is like kind of special that you wouldn't normally yeah. do. Um, like go on a nice hike or if you're, you're, if you're not that much into like active stuff, like yeah. go to a movie with friends or, you yeah. know, just something that's kind of fun. Go to a, a dinner that like a restaurant that maybe you wouldn't like normally yeah. go to something that's special. Um, there is something about doing things past what you feel. Because yeah. sometimes if you only do things based on what you feel, then you get you stay in that cycle of that feeling. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, I don't feel like going to the gym, but I even as I don't feel like it, I might put on the gym clothes. And yeah. then it's like, I, I won't feel like it all the way up until the point that I get to the oh, gym. Yeah. It's like, you know, I don't feel like going to the gym, but I'm putting on the clothes. I don't feel like get, going to the gym, but I'm getting in the car. Yeah. I don't feel like going to the gym, but I'm parking. And then you're there and then you're working out. You're like, oh my God, I'm so glad I did this uh-huh. for myself. I have energy. I feel good. Exactly. And then, the, and then actually it's the actions catch up to the feeling. So sometimes you have to do, yeah. um, sorry, it's the feelings that catch up to the action. So sometimes you have to act past how you feel yeah, for the feeling to catch up with the action, which can be really, really difficult. And I'm not saying that this is what you have to do all the time. But, but once in a while, once in a while every now and again, body. be willing to kind of challenge yourself. Like, yeah. I don't, and, and you can say to yourself, I don't feel like doing this, but I'm going to keep taking the actions to do it because I know yeah. I need to get out of the slump. My little hack for that, for going to the gym when I don't feel like it, is that my I, I try to make it as brainless as possible. Yeah, don't think about it. And I, yeah, and not even don't think about it, but just like because sometimes the like going to the gym, you're like, oh, I don't even have a workout planned. What what am I going to do? So what I do is I'm like, all I need to do is get to the gym and get on the treadmill. Like yes. if I can just walk, I'm not even talking even about if I running walk just or like jogging. twenty minutes. That's so something. while I'm on the treadmill for those five minutes, then if I haven't if I don't have the mental capacity before, then at that time I will plan what else I'm going to do in the gym. Or yeah. I will just do the treadmill and leave if and I'm go really, home. But at least I did and that's something. something. That's the thing. You don't have to be all or nothing. Yeah, but like that's just how I'm something. like, I just got to get get to the treadmill. Once get I get moving. to the treadmill, get moving, then yeah. I'll kind of do other things. But exactly, like mm-hmm. getting yourself to move somehow, getting, you know, a lot of times when you're going through this season, you can feel really sluggish. You got to get that fresh air, that sunshine. If you're having a problem with sleeping late at night, maybe there are two or three days where you just kind of force yourself to wake up at 6 a.m. so you can reset that circadian rhythm. 
You know, making yeah. sure you're really taking care of your physical health, which is probably the hardest thing when you're going through. Yeah, just small tough time. steps. And that's yeah. the other thing I was going to say is just set small goals for yourself through all of this, you know, is even if it's just small things like I'm going to so try small. to go to bed a little bit earlier mm-hmm. or I'm going to give myself a little facial routine because it makes me feel good or I'm going to try to get my nails done, get my nails done, or I'm going to go outside and spend like 10 minutes in the sun or whatever it is. Like just give your, they don't, don't, they don't, these big goals and these big activities can feel really overwhelming and you might not have the capacity. So like, even if it's just setting very small goals for yourself one day at a time, those goals do add up and they can add up to kind of getting you unstuck over time. Exactly. So self-care is really, really important. One of the things that I um, that is really important is having something that you can trust that's outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've both had um, really interesting faith, religious, spiritual journeys. But yeah. I will say that um, no matter where you're at, whether you are a religious person or not, faith based person. Knowing that there's something outside of you that you can trust, knowing that there is someone. And, you know, for those who are faith-based, one of the scriptures that's become so much more meaningful to me now than Mm. even when I was a a really strongly religious person um, that I'll read to you is Matthew 6, 25. Um, And I'll read parts of you, uh, parts of it, um, Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, Mm. what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Mm -hmm. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we wear or what shall we drink? Um, For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Mm. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I remember reading that before. And honestly, when I read it before, I read it with a very different perspective. And it almost kind of felt a little like, well, we got to... How am I not going to worry about those things? Like I can't yeah. just not do I got anything. Bills to pay. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but I actually I think it really does speak to that idea yes. that when you trust that there's something outside of yourself, and a lot of times we look at this verse and we're like, oh, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and and we use it as a way to as again, a prerequisite. Exactly. Yeah. But but truly, um, this is a call to take a big deep breath. Mm-hmm. recognize that you are just a fragile human yeah. that anything can happen to. Yeah. And that there are forces outside of your life. I believe God. Yeah. Um, there is a whole world outside of you. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that are going to happen in your life that you you did nothing to really make it happen, but it still worked out in your favor. Yeah. And I think that mindset of saying, I just have to trust that God is for me, that the process can and will work out in my favor. Mm -hmm. There are moments where I will practice this 
verse by just saying like, you know what? I am going to choose not to worry about this aspect of my life, like socially and say like, God, I just, I need more meaningful friendships. Can you bring those friendships into my life? I'm just not going to worry about it because if I worry about it, then it's going to all fall back on me and I'm going to feel like I'm not a cool person or I'm going to make it about me somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to trust that, entrust that to you and and find something outside of myself to really ground myself in. And I think um, there's so much research behind the power of trusting in in something that's and outside of, prayer, of yourself and of faith and they don't we don't they don't know scientifically exactly why it works mm-hmm. but we know that it works yeah. you know um and my therapist would even call it grace mm. right and i love that idea because i think the idea of grace is always is also all encompassing like no matter where you are in your faith just knowing that grace has you and it grace is exactly what you said it's something that's outside of your control but it's just pulling you forward and it's just carrying you forward. And you're just like, you can't explain it. I don't know how. Like, we all have those situations then, where you're just like, I don't know how I got through that. Right. I have no idea how I got through that and didn't lose my sanity. Or I did lose my sanity and I don't know how I got it back yeah. or whatever it is. But there's this grace that is constantly present in your life that is constantly carrying you that you cannot explain. You are not alone. You know? And yeah. so for me, um, because one of our anchors is, is faith, you know, and having that grace and that trust is, uh, for me, it was the verse, 1 Peter 5.10 that I stood on. And it says, so after you have suffered a little while, God will restore you, support you, and strengthen you, and place you on a firm foundation. Mm. So I love that because it spoke to both the reality that there is suffering and there is loss and there is change, and this is a part of the human experience, Mm -hmm. but God is faithful and that grace is there to put you on a firm foundation again. I loved the idea of firm foundation because I felt like I was not on a foundation. Yeah. I felt like I was adrift. I felt like I was floating. That made me feel very insecure about life and myself. Yeah. But to know that there is this grace that is carrying me to a firm foundation and my feet will be planted again, I really did hold on to that as a promise that I may be afloat now, but I will be back on my feet. Yeah. You know? And so having that anchor, having that anchor of, you know, uh, of that promise and of faith is a really big anchor. And I think it is for for most people mm-hmm. because um, faith statistically is really important to like 70% of Americans or what have you. So mm-hmm. just just being reminded of, of being able to fall back on that. And this is not something that's like genie in a bottle no. type of prayer, like pray super hard, believe harder, and then God will do great things for you. Like, that type we've of, been through that oh like that just irks me it can because set you up for a lot of disappointment right this is this is truly a way of crisis yes yeah. but this type of trust it's is a like being. it's a way of being yeah. it's an acknowledgement that there's nothing that i do to earn anything from a supposed god that you know is waiting for me to pray harder and, and be better in it's order like if you pray good enough maybe i'll it's, give it to you like, I, I think no. even the bible it says like the sun and the rain like the sun shines on the good and the bad like, yes. like this is something that because you are a human, like you, you are, there's just something outside of you and being able to trust that, um, you know, that you are not on your own in this world mm-hmm. and that while your circumstances might seem really confusing and maybe even the change that you're in the crisis that you're going through right now might be a faith-based it is a faith one. crisis. Like you might even know like mine if you was. even believe that God really is there or is there for you. Yes. Because a lot of time a faith crisis happens in these situations right. where it's like, God, are you even there? 
Yeah. You know, so, and if you're even questioning that, right. you know, just still being able to, at the very least, kind of trust the process of positioning mm-hmm. yourself and, and walking in grace. Yeah, exactly. Trusting that there's something outside of you, that you are not alone. There are people that you can um, lean on. And obviously we are a resource for you too. We just, you know, mm-hmm. have been through it and want to support you as well. And yeah. so would really encourage you to especially if you're going through a really hard time, reach out to us, reach out to someone. You can find us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you can go back and watch, uh, listen to these episodes and message us. You know, we love to talk to people too, mm-hmm. um, give you further resources. We want to also continue to build more resources in mm-hmm. the future outside of this podcast. So um, continue to follow along and, you know, just know that we're so grateful for you guys and we want to continue to keep having conversations like this. Yes. Um, if you are experiencing a transition, um, a life change, an identity crisis, existential life is, crisis, life is confusing. You don't know where you're going, what you believe. Yeah. Like just know that that's actually part of the process. Like if there's any part of your heart and mind that can ground yourself in the knowledge that this happens to most people, that you will come out on the other side. You're in your cocoon. You will come out as that beautiful butterfly one day. Try not to moralize it into good or bad. It's a part of life. This is just the season you're in. It's a season. And one day that, you know, like um, there's going to be a lot of bright light at the end of the tunnel. And so hopefully this has given you some encouragement and some support and we're just always here for you. Thanks you guys for listening. Until next time. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, let's continue the conversation and stay connected on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, all linked in the show notes below. Let us know your thoughts or leave a review on the podcast. Your feedback really does mean so much to us. Until next time.